0: Welcome, everybody, to the Antioch Room. It is great to be with you today. Uh, My name is Marcos Ortega. I am one of the leaders of the Antioch Room. There's a group of five of us who are leading this, and so it is great to be with you today. Um, What we are going to do is oh, Rufus is already on. All right. (laughs) And so what we're going to do today is you're going to hear from a couple of different folks. I'm going to introduce what the Antioch Room is. Rufus is going to speak to us. So Rufus Smith, thank you for being here, Senior Pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church here in Memphis. And uh, I'm going to start us off with prayer, and then we're going to dive right in. So Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being together. We thank you for the work of the General Assembly, and we thank you for our time here today. Lord, we pray that you would bless our efforts um, because, Lord, it is about your kingdom and about your gospel. And so, Lord, we pray that through uh, this kind of a network that the gospel would go forth, that people would hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and they would draw near by the power of your Spirit. So, Lord, work in and through us, even in this lunch, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, the name the Antioch Room comes from Acts chapter 13, just the first couple of verses. So, I want to share these couple of verses with you and then talk a little bit about what the Antioch Room actually is, what our goals are, what we're trying to accomplish as a group. So, these first couple of verses of Acts chapter 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The origins of the Antioch room really come from this first verse where we hear about these prophets and teachers who were in the church of Antioch. And Luke very easily could have just named them and moved on. This is the Roman Empire after all. He could have said, well, these are just a bunch of Romans who were together doing this. But he makes the point of telling us where they're from. This is part of the Spirit's fulfillment of prophecy. That the nations would be drawn to the Son of God we're seeing evidence of this even in the very first church the church in Antioch is not planted by the church in Jerusalem in fact when the church in Jerusalem hears that there's a church in Antioch they're surprised and they say we need to figure out what's going on over there among the Gentiles we know it's a predominantly Gentile church because when Paul brings the, uh, the decision of the Jerusalem Council to Antioch. They are all uh, celebrating and rejoicing because of the wisdom of the Jerusalem Council. These are Gentiles who are being welcomed in, and they are from the nations. As you listen to Luke describe where they're from, we know that Barnabas is from the island of Crete, or Cyprus, excuse me. Uh, we know that Simeon is most likely from northern Africa, Lucius is of Cyrene, which is northern Africa. Menaean is a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, which places him either in Jerusalem or in Rome. And Saul, as we know, is from Syria. Here we have a multicultural leadership in the church that are simply being the church. They're not strategizing about how to be multicultural, they're not trying to figure out what multiculturalism looks like. They're simply being the church. Therefore, they are automatically multicultural. And as they are being the church, as they are being Christians, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and sends out of this group the very first missionaries to go into the world with the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ culminates in that Revelation 7-9 vision of all the nations coming before the throne of God. But it also begins with all the nations coming before the throne of God as the promise to Abraham is fulfilled in the church that he would be a blessing to the nations. The church has always been designed to be multi-ethnic and multicultural. And in a nation like ours, where we have many cultures and many nations, it only makes sense for us to lean in to that expression. What does it look like to be the church of Jesus Christ in the United States, a country of many nations, many cultures, many ethnicities? And so here's what we want to do in the Antioch room. Here's the goal. The goal is to create a space where people of color have fellowship, build friendship, are able to uh, talk about their experiences, share their perspectives about what's going on in church life, what's going on in the world. Because very often, in the EPC, people of color are the only ruling elder who is a person of color, or one of very few people of color in the whole congregation. They can be one of few people of color in their presbytery as a teaching elder. It can be very isolating, can be very lonely. And what we want to do is we want to create a network across the country of connection, so that you have a place where you can go and talk to somebody who maybe gets it, who maybe has experienced some of the same things you have experienced. This isn't about one way of thinking. This is about bringing many ways of thinking to the table and creating the space where we can care for one another well. And so in the Antioch room, We hope to do a couple of different things throughout the year. We'll meet together every year here at General Assembly. That's the goal. Um, If we don't have a networking lunch like this, we hope to have um, informal meet and greets on one of the nights of General Assembly. We would love to have a part of the Leadership Institute where you get to hear from the experiences and perspectives of people of color within our denomination. Teaching, theological teaching, biblical teaching, historical teaching. We want to be here, and when we do that at General Assembly, it's going to be kind of all comers. Everybody can be here, as you can see right now. Throughout the year, what we also hope to do is create virtual events, virtual spaces, so that we can share stories of what it's been like, what our experiences are in the EPC. We want to share with one another different perspectives that might encourage us and challenge us in our walk with Jesus Christ. And we also want to encourage you to go back to your presbyteries and maybe do some of these informal meet and greets yourselves. What would it look like in my presbytery, in the Presbytery of the East, for people of color to get together for lunch and just talk and build relationships, to build the network that will help us as we are moving forward in the work of the EPC and so that's what we want to do we want to create this space we want to create this network we want to create fellowship spiritual friendships across the country i'm really glad that you're all here for this um, because this is the very first thing that the antioch room has ever done so welcome thank you for coming and um, we're going to invite up some folks to walk us through prayer to speak to us to give us instructions there's going to be table discussion in a little while Um, that might be a little uncomfortable at times and so we ask you to lean into that. If you don't know how to answer a question, that's okay. Just listen and we're all going to do this together. Um, but to really kick us off, I'm going to invite up Anid Flores. she's going to pray for us and introduce our main speaker today.
1: Let us pray. Padre Santo de gracias. Gracias por la oportunidad que tú nos das de unirnos en común acuerdo. Gracias por la oportunidad que tú nos das de presentar nuestras preocupaciones, presentar nuestras ideas, pero sobre todo por la oportunidad que tú nos das de escucharnos unos a otros. Heavenly Father, we are thank you. We we want to thank you not only for the opportunity to gather together, but also for the opportunity just to speak just to converse with one another, just to share our fears, shares our goals, and shares our experiences. Give us a strength. Give us hope. But most of all, give us a lot of love to do what we are supposed to do. Just provide a place for others to come to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, obviously, uh, I think our speaker doesn't need much of an introduction. Rufus Smith is not only the senior pastor of Hope uh, and a big leader here in Memphis and other places, but actually he's an encourager. And besides that, he's a very, very good friend, a wonderful mentor, someone that you can lean on. And someone that is always there just to give you a word of advice, and I have used it myself. So I just want you to welcome Rufus Smith, Pastor Reverend Rufus Smith.
2: I'm on? Yes. No, not on? Are you? Am I on? Ah, there now, we go. Got you. Are. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Ah, this is something.
2: I see. Got gotcha. okay. um, you. Okay. It's recording. If you
1: want to move, you can. If you put it there, you can move.
2: Okay. I do have some handouts. Um, But I'm gonna have, I'm gonna ask you to do like your teacher used to do, Holly, face down.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> All right. Face.
0: Two-sided.
2: I know, I know. It's two-sided. Face <laughs> down. All right. Um, how, 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 much, how much time do I have? 25, 30, yeah. Okay, just uh, when I have um, five minutes left. Just flash, okay. I may ignore it, but at least do it. All right, face down. I've been in the EPC for 23 years, um, and I have been um, anticipating a meeting like this for 23 years. Um, So I praise God that this is um, coming to fruition. Thank you for being here. In 1759, Wilbur, Wilberforce was born uh, in England. How many have heard of Wilbur, Wilberforce? All right, great. Um, and he died in 1833 at the age of 73. Um, he was mentored by John Newton. Uh, the author of Amazing Grace, former slave ship operator. And um, he was elected to the House of Commons. He came from wealth, um, was a philanthropist, as well as what we would call today a organizer or uh, activist. Um, And uh, 17 years it took him by introducing legislation in the House of Commons uh, to finally get a vote on ending the slave trade in England. That was 1807, 17 years. That's 17 years knowing William Pitt, the younger, the prime minister of England. He had a relationship with the number one politician of his day. They were best buddies. And it took him 17 years before he even um, got a positive vote to end the slave trade. 17 years. It took another 23 years uh, before England ended the slave uh, trade and abolished slavery altogether. 41 years of his uh, legislative and personal life William Wilberforce spent on one issue. Now, he also used relationships and a couple of other issues, but 41 years before he saw the abolition of slavery, three days before he died. So what I want to talk about today is a old English word that's found in the Bible more than you think it is. Old, antiquated, outdated English word. It's a compound word. Long. Suffering. Can you say that with me? I'm going to make black preachers out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Long suffering. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not a popular topic. <laughs> like, that's not a popular topic, particularly when you're talking about movements. But if you study movements historically, biblically, The movements that have succeeded and sustained that have been this common ingredient of long-suffering. Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about that here today. Long-suffering. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through Six. You can turn your pages over now. Someone read that for us. Stand and read it. Use your preacher's voice. Go ahead, Brandon.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, which with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long suffering. I love it. (laughs) Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring. The unity of the spirit in the bone in the body of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in hope uh, of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all.
2: Lowliness and meekness in verse 2 is the attitude that we must have. Long-suffering is the action. The attitude is lowliness and meekness. But long-suffering is the attitude, uh, is the action behind the attitude. So I just wanna encourage us here in the EPC um, to have a spirit of long suffering when it comes to um, our denomination reflecting the changing demographics of the United States. And I'm pleased that we're in the embryonic stages of such. And by 2023, the demographers tell us, 2023, uh, America's children will be majority minority. Twent- that's two years. You cannot undo that trajectory. So like it or not, the demographics will be changing and have changed, 2023. Um, And so what is it gonna take as we improve our delivery of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment to share this glorious gospel with our changing community? It's going to take long-suffering, attitude of lowliness and meekness, but the action of long-suffering. I got scholars in this room, so I'm not gonna belabor the point. Um, There are two levels of what we call patience. My mentor told me years ago uh, that it takes three things to be successful in ministry, and I wrote them down. He said the first is patience with people. The second is patience with people. But the third is more important than the first two, patience with people. (laughs) And when we look at the word patience, however, in its technical sense, biblically, hupomone, it means to uh, abide under pressure. Uh, It is not actually accurate to say that God is patient, because there's no pressure that he can't handle, right? It is more accurate to say God is long suffering. That's a Greek compound word, macrothumia. Macro long thumia, meaning temper, to have a long temper. How many of you praise God that He has a long temper with us? And so we have to have a long temper with people. And um, long suffering is a spiritual skill, but it's also a fruit of the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is, you better name them:
0: love,
2: joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness. gentleness, temperance, yes, or self-control, but that one is, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And it is a fruit of the spirit that God has given us to deal primarily with people. When it comes to the patience of Job, for example, that James 5.11 says, Job had the patience to deal with difficult circumstances. When it comes, however, to long-suffering, it means dealing with difficult people, people problems. I've tried everywhere I can't could to avoid people. <laughs> I, I just haven't been successful. About 7 million people in Tennessee can't get away from them. About a million people in Memphis and Shelby County can't get away from them. Got a few people, a thousand people at Hope can't get away from them. In fact, I can't even get away from the people in my house. So I have to then, if I got to deal with people, ought to learn the spiritual skill of. Aww. It pays dividends, amen. And by the way, don't say, people have put up long with you too, amen? amen? That's why we are where we are. So what is this idea of long suffering? Uh, you see it there. It's defined as first, it's what. Patience with people. So I need to make sure that I am suffering long with people. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, have ever felt like giving up on people? Mm hmm. Yeah. Long suffering is being patient with people. It's the second thing. What is it? Being what? Cool when criticized. Now, who likes to be criticized? Who likes even constructive criticism? How many times have you gotten a letter, now, love you, this is constructive criticism that ends up being destructive criticism in the final Now, we all need constructive criticism. But I just don't like. Criticism, but the Bible actually says long suffering being a fruit of the spirit and a spiritual skill is I've got to remain cool when I'm criticized, especially when I feel like I'm unjustly criticized. That's what long suffering is without being bitter and cynical about it. What's the third one? Self restraint in the face of provocation. provocation. I want you to think about Old and New Testament examples of long suffering. You and I have to develop the spiritual skill and ask God the Holy Spirit to help develop the fruit of self restraint in the face of provocation. Especially when, to me, it's obvious what some of the issues are. You are not being intellectually honest when you don't see the obvious. But it's self-restraint in the face of provocation. Whether that's subtle or whether that's more direct. That's long-suffering. What's the uh, third one, or fourth one? (laughs) A long what? Long temper. A, long, a long temper, particularly with annoying, <laughs> agonizing people. We got some around us, right? It's just, you just have to have a long temper, particularly with annoying, agonizing people who may have some annoying habits. I, um, when I married 36 years ago, my wife finally got to know me about three months. She said, there's something that you do. <laughs> that just annoys the heck out of me. I'm on tape, so I won't say what she said. That just annoys. I said, what's that? Do you know you dig in your ear? And then inspect it. I mean, you just... We could be... Do you know that? I, that became such a habit. I didn't. I didn't even know I was doing it. Can you imagine conversing and just... She said, that is annoying. That is aggravating. Would you not do that? Do you know it took me a conscious effort not to be annoying? It took me, how long you think? She said it, so I finished it. Anyway. I think you're still working on it. <laughs> she has suffered long. With that annoying habit. Now I'm a lot better now. I, I don't, I don't pick my ears anymore. It's my nose now, Tim. <laughs> but I'm getting better. But honestly, are there some habits, some annoyances that people have that just get on your last nerve? Long suffering. Turn the page. I think you turned the page. Um, What's the first one, describe? It's noticeable. It's a noticeable fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, And I want us to know God gives us supernatural power to bear along with people with movements, with the pace of change, he gives us supernatural power to do it. I'm going to need it in my home. I'm going to need it in my church. I'm going to need it in my neighborhood, I'm going to need it everywhere. So I have to develop it. What's the
0: second one? Long suffering delays God's ultimate judgment of the world, allowing many people to be saved from its
2: We're familiar with that passage in Second Timothy, uh, Second Peter, where well, the Bible teaches us, tells us, reminds us that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He suffers long with us. That's why I'm in the kingdom. That's why you're in the kingdom. It delays God's judgment and punishment. What's another one? I want you to put a circle around that, Ephesians 4.2 and others. It is critical for maintaining unity in the body of Christ. It's critical. It's less critical for me to win the argument. It's more critical for me to maintain unity. Compromise, we know, is the art of one person settling for less, the other person settling for less, in order to come to some agreement. And that's necessary. But with long-suffering, there is something even more important than compromise. It's called conciliation. We don't like that word. Conciliation is not just me not, uh, me conceding something. Um, It is letting the other person win or taking their point of view because I want the relationship. It's for the sake of the relationship. More important than me being right is sustaining the relationship. That's what long-suffering allows us to do. Sometimes when we're long-suffering we have to instead of being right and we know we're right we concede in order for us to maintain the relationship until long suffering kicks in and people catch up what's the last one how to do it how to do it so let me close with these practical (coughs) things long suffering doesn't mean avoiding anything in fact the first one as far as uh, Jesus was talking about. Jesus said, if you sense that there is some friction or tension with you and another brother, ignore it. Play like it doesn't exist. Is that what he says? No, he says, go to them alone so you do lovingly confront it when you sense that eh, something is not quite right. And notice when Jesus says, it, you don't wait for the other person to do it. You do it. It's something that he is burdened in you. And you just go to him and say, Pastor Ortega, I I just, it's not ignoring it. It's going to him and having a conversation. Then, Then there's another level, Matthew 18, 15. What's the second one? You go when you have actually been offended or sinned against. That's a part of long-suffering, too. you got to tell people or leaders or organizations this is wrong, and you confront that. You are not responsible for their reaction, but you are responsible for going and saying this is wrong and put it on the radar. When you have developed relationships, then people will receive what you have to say and a lot better than if you did not develop relationships. Again, one of the wonderful things that William Wimbleforce did was he, after he first introduced his legislation, which he didn't even get 40 votes, um, he began to go one-on-one, talk to these legislators. He would have huge parties at his house, unrelated to anything, just relating to people and knowing their personal struggles and just beginning to love them and appreciate them. And every year, the vote tally went up a little bit at a time. He didn't just say, let's ignore this. He confronted it. And then the last thing about long suffering, if you and I are gonna make it, Proverbs 19, 11. Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Let it go. What does the psalm say? Read
0: it.
2: People with good sense are slow to anger. And it is their glory to overlook an offense. People with good sense are slow to anger. That's long suffering. And it is to their glory to do what? To overlook an offense. Do you know how much stuff you have to overlook sometime to make some progress? When you are in the long game, you're slow to anger and get cynical and bitter and disillusioned and hard to get along with. And the Bible actually said God will give you and I extra credit if we can overlook the offense. We've already brought it to him. We've already confronted. We've already said what is right, what is wrong. Here is what we believe. And we're building relationships and waiting for his will to be done. But in the meantime, I have to make sure not to get bitter and cynical. And some issues, I have to let it go. It'll come back around. but. Let it go. Something that's gnawing on me that if you know what, this is going to destroy me and all the momentum I've built if I don't let this go. And God will give you extra credit because ultimately I'm dependent on Him to move people because I can't. How many of you know you can't really move people? You can't change it. Now you have to wait for God to do it. That's long <coughs> suffering. Long suffering. Anybody here married? Anybody here been a sibling? Anybody here been a parent? Then you know how important the spiritual skill and fruit of long suffering is. I just wanted to say that with you. Um, Do not be weary in well doing for in due season we'll reap if we what, don't give up, faint not. Now you had somebody who was going to pray at the end. Okay, so I can't pray. You, can pray. you should. Pray. No, I'm teasing. No, no, <laughs> pray. No, come on, Holly. I'm not
0: cued up to pray, so
2: you should pray. <laughs> <laughs> no, Holly, I'm not.
1: Queued up to pray, so you,
2: you queued up to do something else. Okay. <laughs> Gracious God, our Father, thank you for the Antioch room and for this movement. We pray that uh, you would give us, or help us to develop by your spirit, the fruit of long suffering with people, with procedure. We ask that you would help us to develop the spiritual skills of relationships and be more concerned with relationships than being right. Help us to walk the fine line of how do we go to and let people know that we sense some tension. And then how do we directly confront offense and sin in the body? We pray that you would give us the courage and the spiritual skills in order to accomplish your will so that we can emulate the church at its birth being the church at its best and leaning into the tension of the Jewish, Gentile, ethnic. For your glory,
0: we pray and praise. Amen.